Hey, on this episode of Tailboard Talk, I'm sitting down with Kurt. We're drinking coffee and going over some listener questions. So hang out, see what we think about uh, annual fitness tests, PFTs, canines in the fire service, and some other stuff. Uh, hope you dig it. Let's get into it. Here comes the intro. Skip forward 30 seconds if you want to get right to the episode. This is the Tailboard Talk podcast, the best health, wellness, and lifestyle resource for the fire service. We're using stories, lessons, and tips from the front lines to give a realistic view of what the job can do to us and how we can make it out alive. I'm Chris Morella, a firefighter since 03, medic since 05, full-time since 08, and promoted to lieutenant in 20. I'm also a personal trainer and strength coach, and I'm here to give you the best information and host the best discussions to make us capable and durable, both on the job and away from it. So grab a heater, steal some fancy creamer from first shift, and let's go chat. Right now? Wagner? Yeah. No, he's at, he's at um, fi- uh, FRI, Fire Rescue International, which is a Chiefs conference. Mm. Did I ever um, tell you about the class Dan and I went to in Indiana? Parts of it. It's just a funny part is that there were two days of it. One day was for line personnel and like PFTs and stuff. Mm. And then the next day was for Chiefs. And so the day with the line personnel, it was like... Uh, in this like crappy college auditorium type seating with like uh whatever like the natural harvest crunchy granola bars in the back that you could go get yeah and then we went to the we went to the chiefs one the next day it was like in a banquet hall with centerpieces really yeah buffets and everything i'm like geez yeah man the decision makers get all the perks yep i I didn't know where you're going with that Do, do you remember when um I think it was at FDIC like two years ago. I sent you the pictures of the different attendances at the seminars or something like that. Mm. And they had their big push that year. I, and it still might be. I didn't pay that much attention to it. It was like women in the fire service, uh, cadet retention, diversity, all the stuff that everybody says they're really concerned about. you right. know. And then they also had like the typical ones like throwing ladders to buildings or something mm-hmm. like that. And so they take pictures of all the speakers, and the latter ones was, like, full because it's some chief talking about right. New York or something like that. And then the diversity one has, like, four people in Crickets, it. And I'm like, yeah. you, what the, what are we doing? You know, like. Like Aquafit. Okay. Remember that one? It performed better. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That was what, yeah, that was an Exos thing. Yeah, Mark Verstegen. That was tough. That was a tough one. Yeah, because all of the other stuff was was that well attended? No, that was terribly attended. And it was awkward. I think that, well, I think the lecture portion was pretty poorly attended, and then, like, the practical was even... Yeah. I think he was angry in the practical, if I remember correctly. Like, you could tell he was clearly frustrated that nobody came to a, yeah. his uh, practical portion. To a banquet room to do Aquafit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was a tough sell, because that was a big, their big merge with Speedo, mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> and then didn't go away. Didn't it go away like six months later? They're like, yeah, never mind. I don't think it ever turned into anything. Oh, that was such a bummer, dude. Because, yeah, he was like the keynote the year before. Mm-hmm. And they were a major contributor to that thing. Yeah, God. and then uh, then Ben Bruno came out with his dumbbells that he uses in the pool, and it looks awesome it's and fun. <laughs> yeah. Ben Bruno. I'm Just splashing in a pool all afternoon. I'm back on the Ben Bruno thing, man. Yep. Still can't stand the way he works out sometimes. Just the pure visuals of him working out. Mm-hmm. I do the same movements. Yeah. You know, the tons of rear foot elevated split squats and heavy stuff. And 
that's great, and I agree with them that you know you basically do the same 15 exercises till you die. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just something about watching him work out I don't like. But then he gets on his ask me anything tirades, and yeah. I'm like, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like everything that's going I mean, on right now. Yeah. Um, he went off on the Bosu ball the other day, right? Did you see that one? Yeah, there was one in. Hanging out garbage can. Garbage can. It's like the perfect spot for it. And <laughs> yeah. I, obviously, he took a lot of flack on it because he did a follow up post, you know, being like, it was just meant to be a joke, but yeah. <laughs> still but, where I think it should be. It's also, he always. And then David Weck came out with this change thing. <laughs> <laughs> shaking his coins in his pocket, shaking his tic tacs. Um, he, he also goes back to it frequently. And it's always confusing. That space he trains in is like 12 by 15. Yeah, his garage. Yeah, or whatever it is. Yeah. It's tiny. Mm-hmm. But the angle is just set up, and you can't see the outside wall, so it looks... And the ceiling's yeah. high. Mm-hmm. Looks like there's a balcony there almost. But yeah, it's like 12 by 15. It's like a shed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one and a half, seven-foot-tall people at a time, he's got them in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, doing heavy stuff, so that's cool. So I've been sitting on, literally now, these presents for you for a little bit. Okay. I'm excited to get your reaction on them. I saw him and I was like, "That is atrocious." Okay, sweet. <laughs> I don't even know where the the person I got him from had a, a tub of them, so they sell them. I think at Costco in the quantities of hundreds. Mm. Okay. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> have you tried these? No, not a chance. <laughs> I will never ever try those. <laughs> these have got to be delicious. I don't think so. You don't think they're good? There's no way. They're going to be delicious. That's the grossest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> they're Skittles uh, flavored, branded, uh, like Crystal Light mixes. Oh, gross. <laughs> Just saying it is the grossest thing. It reminds me of like, the, the dipping stick stuff where you, like, you lick the, the candy stick you, and then dip it in and it just tastes sour or whatever. I bet you that this orange and the strawberry <laughs> will be delicious with vanilla protein. Oh, God. <laughs> Can't, can't wait. That's the grossest thing I ever saw. I saw that. I was like, find out where the rest of these are. <laughs> I think they blew up the factory. I hope. Yeah, I was like, oh my God. I'm like, if I could send these to Raph right now, I would. Between you two, like uh-huh. sitting there just snorting <laughs> Skittles dust. True fact is that's my dad text when uh, Sid goes trick or treating, is except for the purple bag. Wildberry Skittles can rot in hell, but uh, the other original and tropical, inject that into my veins. Yeah gross yeah well we can't have them because katie's uh aware of what some of what red some red dyes are yellow dyes and all the rest of the dyes um so she does not appreciate them but i remember the last time that i ate till i was physically sick was at a (laughs) chicago wolves game and i got one of their like bags of skittles but it's like the family pack it's not like a regular pack yeah and i just couldn't stop and then i just kept eating them (laughs) it's good it's so good how old how old are you like 35 something. <laughs> two weeks like ago. Two weeks ago. <laughs> like I'm still still full. I'm working on the bag. The rest of the bag's in there. Yeah. Like my butt still hurts because of it. Still got, Taste still the got rainbow. A, a green stained toilet bowl in there. <laughs> Gross, dude. Well, good. I'm glad you ever. <laughs> I don't learn my lesson with Skittles. That's for sure. Apparently, there's no reason to. No. Um, now you're going to have a hold. I, what do you think Taylor's going to say when she sees those? She won't see them. Because <laughs> they'll be gone, or you just oh yeah, they'll be gone <laughs> by three two hours these, from now. Two of these will be gone before she gets home from work today. <laughs> God, dude. Oh, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. 
That's a problem. <laughs> oh, She's so inundated with new work, she doesn't have time to pay attention to my things right now. So. She's like, what, are yeah. you, what are you drinking? Yeah. Are you drinking Kool-Aid? Right. <laughs> like, no, it's Skittles. <laughs> Who did I see? Uh, didn't you send me the video of Tom Segura the other day drinking Kool-Aid? Bert Kreischer was drinking Kool-Aid. He had like a, oh, gallon, yeah, was he had like a gallon of Kool-Aid. That's right, yeah. It was one of their like viral clips. Yeah. And yeah, we watched it. Uh, not live, but when it came out, yeah. you know. And then shortly after, someone clipped it up. Yeah. And he had a gallon of Kool-Aid. Yeah. And it was a shock. Like, he, he discovered, he's like, are you drinking Kool-Aid? And he's like, yeah. He's like, bullshit. And then he pours out, he's like, oh, my God. So you're drinking a gallon of Kool-Aid. And then Tom Segura Can't blame him. chokes for 20 minutes yeah. trying, to, trying to laugh. Oh, God. Let's see. All right. I sent you topics. Topics, 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 topics. Where are they? Where's the old one I sent you? Because um, there's one from a while ago that I think is a really good one. Because, God, dude, what do I do with these things? Because, uh, archive? This is different from the Hello from Australia? Yeah, it was before that. Oh, okay. It was, it was something like, it was something like how important cardio was versus lifting heavy weights or something like that for firefighters. Like, I think it was... Why, so I'll just make it up and remember it. Essentially, it was why cardio is far more beneficial than lifting super heavy for firefighters. And I think that's an uh, an important thing to address because I think that brings definitions of what each thing are into it. Because it's just like saying um, you should do cardio. Some people consider that running. Some people consider like treadmill work. Some people consider like walking with a weighted vest on for a much shorter duration. Some people consider it a CrossFit workout that's longer than seven minutes mm-hmm. is your cardio because it's moderate intensity, moderate weights and high intensity. Yeah. So what only the only thing I can imagine with this person is that they're looking at each extreme, mm-hmm. the marathon runner and the, the power lifter. Yeah. And they're probably saying, like, the marathon runner is far more suited for the job as a firefighter compared to the power lifter. Right. And I don't... I think he might be confusing. They might be misinterpreting cardio and work capacity. It's probably a good one, too. You know? Yeah. So, I think it's important to define more or less what we're talking about. And, unfortunately, I'm on the opposite end of his opinion. If I'm going to be in the middle between the two extremes, I'm always going to err more on the side of power lifter than yeah. marathon runner. Mm-hmm. And I think about it like... My truck can tow 10,000 pounds, right? And the camper weighs 4,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. So if there's a hill or if we have a lot of stuff or whatever, I have that much extra towing capacity. I can pop into gear by pushing down on the gas pedal, and we're good. When that hill comes up or I'm carrying a lot of stuff, I don't need better fuel economy in those moments, you know? And that's a lot like the fire ground. When there comes a task to be done, oftentimes you need more power. So having a, gr- a greater strength reserve or power reserve or mm-hmm. capacity will benefit you rather than having the ability to run for 50 miles. Yeah. You know, so that's the way I kind of, I kind of liken it to people is like, if you need, if you need more power, there's very little substitute for it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need more endurance, you can slow down, you know, or, yeah. or get somebody else to do the job. But yeah, there's really no substitute for that extra towing capacity when you need it. So I'm always going to err on the side of strength over cardio that doesn't mean that they have to be two, like, completely polar opposite things. Right. 
And I think that goes in a lot of way that a lot of the way that we program and work out. That's the thing. Like if you're if you're if you're lifting weights for an hour, um, you're you're getting cardio in there. You're getting work capacity build up in there. As long as you're not doing the <clears throat> uh, here's three reps of a squat and then sit for five minutes yeah. and then another three reps of a squat. But if you're if you're combining some pushes and pulls and squats and mobility stuff and putting it grouping it together and and moving for an hour, um, you can't help but improve some work capacity, which I think people just blanket as saying cardio. Yeah. Know? I was just having this talk with, with somebody returning from work yesterday of like I was just kind of going over the way we program and the way to do things. And she was saying that her cardio is really suffering right now. And I was like, if you lift weights in, in, in kind of this manner, I'm like, your cardio can't help but improve, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think most people just go to like, is my heart rate elevated? Well, that's cardio. And it's like, kind of, but sure, not really. You know? Yeah. And, and that's, uh, so cardio is really just, you know, there's zones to cardio. And they're difficult. They're not difficult to define. They're hard for me to remember. But I always think about that that 140 to 160 range being mm. the working range for the fire ground or incidents that you're going to be in no matter what. Yeah. Even if you're inactive at the fire ground, just arriving on scene, getting out of the engine or ambulance, getting dressed, and then going into the front yard, your heart rate's going to be far higher than you expect it to be. Yeah. So, so, yeah, even if you take moderate weights or heavy weights and manipulate the rest periods... Just because you're not running on a treadmill or on a bike, if you're in, if you're above 120, anywhere closer to 140 for 15, 20, 30 minutes at a time, then you have a little break and then you do that again. Mm-hmm. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. And it might be more difficult than just kind of shutting your brain off or watching Netflix and going for a ride or a walk or a run. But it's going to give you the same effects. Your, your heart and lungs don't know if you're riding a bike versus... Correct. Lifting a dumbbell or barbell or, or on an airdyne. It has no idea. It just knows that it needs to supply more stuff to the system to make it work well. Mm-hmm. So however you can manipulate whatever you're using to to impose those demands, that's going to be cardio. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one. I think that was a good one. But yeah, I'd, each I think it's important to say also that each end of those extremes is detrimental. The person that can lift... A thousand pounds one time, but has no capacity to pull right. up their pants without getting out of breath is bad. And the person who, you know, we've had guys that have gotten really, really into yoga and endurance sports, mm-hmm. and they're extremely mobile and have great body control and pretty decent core stability. Right. But then you need them to lift anybody over 110 pounds off the ground, and everything goes away. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're severely compromised right away off the bat. You can just see that they're not used to actually moving stuff around. Right. So each end of that spectrum has has its benefits and also detriments. Yeah. And I think we've talked about before the force time curve, you know, and that's a pretty easy thing to just Google and you can see if you move that, that, uh, force time curve away from the, the intersection of the axis like that, that's ultimately what you're trying to do. And, uh, you can't do that by polarizing your training to one end or the other. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with doing stuff you like, but no, you have to, this is where a coach comes in handy. Cause they can say, I know you really like that. I know you really like Orange Theory. I know you really like bench press. Bench press and your cardio kickboxing class. You love that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be well-rounded, these are the gaps in your yeah. training. So if you want to be a successful 
firefighter for 30 years, here's some stuff you got to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. All right, so there's a couple other questions. Some are, I mean, some are really good, or topics, I should say. Some are not fire department related or fitness related necessarily, but I'm going to start with this one because we've been burned on this one before. Mm-hmm. Topics firefighters like to hear about from outside presenters in regards to health and wellness. Do, do you, is it ringing a bell when I said we've been burned on that one before? I'm sure when you tell me it'll ring a bell. The guy that submitted a PowerPoint about eating vegetables and getting enough exercise and drinking enough water, and then he came and presented and he wanted to implant TRT rice grains in everybody's hip. Oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah. So, which, listen, there's a, That's right. there's a function for all that stuff, but he... Who he got su- that guy? That, I actually don't remember, but I know they submitted it through battalion chiefs. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, let's do this. And then the chief signed off on it. They, they send it to you just to be like, hey, does this look like something That's we right. care about? And uh, you're like, yeah, it looks like just basic. Yeah, they sent a PowerPoint over that was basic stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then he came in and tried to sell uh, hormone replacement therapy. Yeah. That's right. And he was also, I remember getting one on that guy because he was selling that, hey, the normal level is, the normal level is up to 500 whatever and i don't know the levels if you're in this zone it's if you're above that but below this it's detrimental Mm -hmm. but if you're above that above 1100 you're superhuman right Mm -hmm. and i'm at 1250 (laughs) and then later on he's like he was kind of stuttering and lost his place he's like god sorry guys long long three days i'm just getting you know the the 12th time i presented this i'm getting a little Leary on it. I'm like, you better up it to 1500 then, pal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being fuming about that thing. Oh, well, it was a complete bait and switch. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember you you kind of warning me, like, hey, half the stuff that's in this was not in the PowerPoint you mm-hmm. gave me, so don't don't endorse this yeah. when you go to it. I was like, oh, crap. Um, now, with that being said, if he would have presented his original thing, mm-hmm. even if he has something to sell, obviously he does, right? Yeah. But if he comes in and say, hey, we're a chiropractor office, but we also like people to eat well and pay attention to their exercise. Can we give a talk about that and then maybe offer a promo at the end? Yeah. I'm down. Yep. So what kind of things would you invite in? To I would talk? invite I would invite a um, like minded physical therapist in to t- just talk about maybe common injuries. Um, and what I would what I think it does is it, it gives you an opportunity maybe to set something up long term because most most physical therapy places will do free injury screens. And so maybe that's something that you can turn into every year. Every member who wants to can get a voluntary orthopedic screen from from an actual therapist and not from, you know, just a physician who doesn't care. Right. You know, and then with the therapist, you know, obviously they can they can always you know, possibly have clients off of it. And if not, they're not out anything, you know, it's a screen they'd give out for free anyways. Yeah. But, uh, you know, then I think it also takes some, some burden off of maybe some PFTs who maybe aren't qualified enough to deal with injuries. And so now you have some outside help that's come in that can, then can maybe assist somebody who's got nagging elbow or knee pain or something like that. Right. And they can, the therapist can benefit on maybe scheduling a few sessions and, you know, um, it takes some of the burden off of the department at that point. So I think that'd be a good relationship to, to, to foster. Cause then it can turn into a long-term benefit, you know, over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the other things, it's just like nutrition sucks. Cause it's like, 
<laughs> you know, you get someone who comes in and says the right stuff, and you get some dork that's like keto right now, and it's like, yeah. well, yeah, but you're not gonna be keto in three months, so stop. But like, you know, it's it's just too it's too emotional of a topic for uneducated firemen to receive the right way without yeah. having their opinion on it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, um, I would say for if we have 136 people attending a talk with a nutritionist, I would say that five of them maybe would be open enough to right. listen and then two would like follow up. Yeah. Maybe. And I'm not even thinking of specific people. I'm just thinking mm-hmm. people who would take that and be like, Oh, there is some stuff to this. Maybe this isn't as hard as I thought. And, um, I'm willing to invest some money in yeah. this, you know, cause the rest of them will be like, yeah, they'll play both sides of it. Be like, yeah, I really need someone to tell me to eat more vegetables. Be like, well, are you? He's like, well, no, but right. do I need somebody? <laughs> I know I should be, but I'm not going to. So why would I pay more yeah. to hear that again? I'm like, well, obviously you've got it all figured out. Um, I, so I thought that that's an interesting way that that question took, though, because I took it more as like you're going to a symposium. What would you like to see presenters at a symposium talk sure. about more? And for me, hey, look at it. I don't know if that's the way that question went. I would love, I always thought yeah, that those symposiums missed, how do you implement a wellness program with very limited resources? Because yeah. everyone comes into those things and it's like, hey, I work for Austin, Texas. Here's our center built for wellness for firefighters, you know, yep. or hey, I'm from Orange County and here's all the stuff we do. But it's like, come come to me from a town of 50,000 people with three stations. Yeah. And tell me you had no budget and this is the program. This is how you start a program. You know, yeah. I think that would be hugely beneficial to the fire service if someone could could just come up with, with ideas there to present. Was that was that one of the major fall downs of the first PFT program? Was, oh yeah. That was one of the Yeah, big there was so much there, testing yeah. equipment that you had to get yeah. and it was like here's the surveys that you had to give to physicians to categorize guys red yellow and green and yeah you know yeah it was there there was just way too much to implement for a department that wasn't ready to implement a full program well yeah i mean what do you have on the average department i I consider us a larger department in the area yeah so i would say that average is half our size so maybe up to 70 80 people Mm -hmm. you might have two or three guys who are enthusiastic enough to want to bring their influence in and it's going to be on a voluntary or part-time basis at best. Right. And maybe they have a certification. Maybe they're just really like working out. And so to ask that person to do anything clinical is just absurd. You right. Know? Yeah. I think that's more of the realistic view. So um, that's a major hurdle. It's, it's even difficult to take one or two things back because mm-hmm. then you're stuck with like the, hey, we can we can put you through this screen or we can do right. this exercise. And they're like, all right, then what? And you're like, ah. And we know that. You know, we came back and we... You know, you and I are very familiar with the functional movement screen, and we know a lot of the stuff that you can tell from it. We did it with our department, you know, and I think at the time we did about 75 people, and I think we identified uh, probably 20% or less of the department was at an acceptable. I think our average score was like 11.8 out of 21. Yeah. And 14 is what, like, you hope the average person walking off the street with very minimal movement background can accomplish. So yeah. we were we were bad. And we identified a lot of people who were in line for a catastrophic injury. And a lot of those people did end up having it. Yeah. But we, we did all that testing and we provided all the data. And then it was kind of like, 
thanks. Yeah, <laughs> you know, now like, we know. Right. Which is the, the double-edged sword of like, now we know, so we have a little bit of problem with our hands. Right. Like, do we do we know this and not take care of it? Mm-hmm. Or do we opt just not, maybe next time we just don't know it? Well, I think at the time that we did it, we did the best we could to say like, here's here's what we have. This yeah. is what we know and here's here's what we're telling you. And the chief at the time was like, sorry. <laughs> he, well, he considered that the entire thing. Yeah. He, he thought that the, the program, the objective and everything was accomplished by completing that. Right. Which I know we communicated to him several times it was not. But mm-hmm. he considered that the end of that right. project. And so thanks for the information. Good job. Mm-hmm. Good job scheduling yourselves and doing it. Now, yeah. see ya. And that was a bummer. Um, what question were we answering? That was the uh, that the first one. That was the what do you want presenters to? All right. Um, that was the last one, I think. Let's run through uh, a non-fitness one. I think this will be quick. The thoughts on search and rescue canines. Yeah. I love dogs, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I'm in. Yeah. I, I think the realistic thing is by the time you get probably six to nine people trained on how to do that with a dog you've probably invested way too much money for the department and you should just use one of the resources that's probably already available yeah well i know that a lot of these dogs are like police dogs where they have the per- their person right and that's their that's their dog but we can't function that way no right no we've tried and so if anybody has questions about this we actually had a guy if you're questioning the feasibility of this it, was, it wasn't for search and rescue, it was for emotional support. And um, the project ended up not working out for a couple of reasons. But because he was willing to put in the work for it, he was able to get the dog, I think, not donated, but provided for that specific purpose and trained nearly for free. He's able to get a lifetime supply of food for the dog set up with a major distributor. He's able to get free veterinary care for the dog set up through a local place because he explained what he was going to be doing. Um, and so essentially it was going to be a zero cost to the department. And it didn't work for a couple reasons, but those are less important now. Um, but the work he had to do was like, he had to go to, he was going to use it for teaching. That's what he's going to use it for, teaching kids, mm-hmm. fire safety, and like a, a, a pub ed dog basically. Yeah. So the work he had to do was, first of all, finding a dog and a trainer that could supply that. Um, getting Figure out what courses you needed to be certified in that or appropriate for that. Then he went around to every single principal and superintendent in like five districts surrounding our community mm-hmm. to get it approved by each one of them formally. And then uh, it fell apart when it got to the, the department of city level, more or less. But yeah. it was a incredible amount of work. So mm-hmm. it's very possible but I kind of tell that story to let you know that if you're not willing to do that much work and basically have it come down to a rubber stamp, yes or no, by the time you present it, then right. I wouldn't attempt it because yeah. you're going to get frustrated. Mm-hmm. And at that level of project, like you're saying, that level of investment, it needs to be presented as like, here's 100% completed project, just requires a yes or no. Because yeah. the last thing you want is to show up there with an 80% complete project and have the opinions of the chief in the city have room for that in your plan because then it's going to turn into something you don't want yeah. or you didn't plan on and then you're stuck because mm-hmm. they're going to give you a condition of like I think it's a great idea if you put these couple parts in there and you're like I don't want those parts right. so now do I say no to the whole thing mm-hmm. so 
I think that's good general advice for any kind of program. Yes, it's got to be essentially a yes or no by the time it gets to the top of the food chain. But it's possible. It's, all these things are possible. You've got to be willing to put in the work on the front end of it. Um, but I love them. Uh, short answer is yes. Let's do this one real quick. This is a fitness one. I'm redeveloping our rookie packet. Maybe essential training for rookies. I think this is more of a this is a fitness dude asking this. Okay. You know, so we can angle this towards fitness for this one. Any specific tasks come to mind? Because some do for me. I think that's less important than the overall goal. I just I don't know if I have a specific thing. I just think that that's the time to really impart on new hires that this needs to be part of your your employment is you need to you need to start enjoying work well not enjoy it but you need to commit to working out and training yeah um i don't know if i have anything you know it's it's hard to to, to run out specific things i think other than creating like a mindset that this is important this is an expectation that you're going to start some habits now so that they continue through through the rest of your career and you're not going to be you know yeah turn into a bag of milk now and have that be an issue so i kind of took this one as after seeing our handful of new guys that have had to deal with with issues it's hard to say it's hard to say specifics like you said but when it comes to um essential training for rookies i think there needs to be first of all lots of lots and lots and lots of hands-on training yeah and then frequently, not all the time, not every shift day, but two to three times per month maybe, there needs to be some form of physical training that pushes them to a decision point if they're going to quit or continue. And not in a dangerous way or anything like that, but and you can tell them, like, we're going we're gonna to make this intentionally difficult to push you to your physical limit to see what your brain does. And that's okay if they know that. It doesn't have to be a surprise or a, a shocker or anything like that. But the, the biggest problems we've had with rookies are when we get them to in the maze on the roof simulator in a real incident and they start kind of falling apart physically, they just get crushed mentally. And so I think it's essential that in your first year you get to a point of that level of exertion and mental stress numerous times, numerous times, but not only just to see if this person can quote unquote hack it, but just to let them know that they can. So when they're off probation, I mean, so the chief just talked to us two weeks ago and told us we have, you know, for, for 12,000 calls we run a year, essentially, we have 60 working fires, mm-hmm. like confirmed working several lines off fires, right? Yeah. So you, if you divide that up per shifts and per people, your chance of being first in and pulling a line first into a fire is pretty low. Mm-hmm. So it's feasible that you could go through your entire first few years, a long time, without being a first in line pulled a fire. If you, but if you have that knowledge that, I know it's going to be difficult. I know what my capacity is and what I can operate at. Maybe you won't be so freaked out yeah. five years from now when it actually happens. You mm-hmm. know, And so I think it's a, extremely valuable. And that's going to be kind of whatever your abilities and your resources are at the department. But um, we've used consumption courses. We've used um, chained events on the, at the drill tower, like go from the roof simulator. All right, get off that. Let's go up to the second floor and do a search. Okay, let's get off that. Now we got to advance a two and a half across the parking lot. Just not low acuity stuff, but less threatening stuff that's going to take a lot of effort and see what they can do and see when they start to fall down physically and mentally and then kind of go from there. But I, I would consider that as a broad term as essential. Yeah. You know? 
think a lot of places maybe shy away from that because they don't want to. Not that they don't want to weed out people, but um, it can be very uncomfortable to administer that type of training. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of people that just don't know how. So they're just hammer and nail philosophy where they're just going to beat these kids in the mush mm-hmm. and not actually learn anything from it. Um, but that would be my my idea. That's the thing, too, is like I think you have to be willing to... Uh, you have to be willing to subject that person to that stress, but then you have to be willing to also support them after you've done that and been <laughs> like, okay, you got your ass whooped on this. Now let's break this down yeah. and help you so that this can be better the next time. And I, I'm not sure that that's always the, uh, no, you know, you just like to do the finger point like, yeah, so-and-so could barely cut a hole. Yeah. And then that's it. You know, it's like, yeah. well, yeah, but you're his officer, so maybe uh should be doing a little more. Yeah, we had that happen. You know, that's happened in the past in our department where um, somebody was asked for extra help on something. So they went out with an officer or their crew or something like that. And basically what came back from that happening was people just confirmed that they were crappy at that thing. Yeah. It's like, well, well, yeah, that person knows they're crappy at it. And right. they ask for extra help, so train them. Don't just beat them and confirm that they suck at it. Like, he's aware. Yeah. So that's a difficult part, but that comes with, you know, that's a lot of our coaching stuff, and that's just a lot of natural leadership ability, but also, I think, a heavy dose of empathy, where you're like, well, I've been there, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously, I'm still employed, so this kid's salvageable, right. or at least deserves some, some coaching, not just yep. being beat to a pulp and left in the corner. Um, I also, I, I mean, I enjoy doing a lot of the hands-on stuff. This is just a personal thing. I always, uh, this has nothing to do, obviously. <laughs> I hate when I'm doing stuff with someone where I've made time to be like, yeah, we're just going to go out and we're going to get a lot of reps of this thing over and over. Yeah. And then, you know, a little varmint comes out and it's like, hey, this is what, you know, and it's like, just go away. Like, let, <laughs> you know, like, nobody asked you to come out here yeah. and stand with your hands in your pockets and evaluate. Like, oh, yeah. Go away. <laughs> well, and it, so I was out recently with, somebody was going through the acting lieutenant time and uh one of the hardest things for a regular line personnel to do is even if they've gone through instructor one is develop a drill and so we went out to a parking lot uh, parking deck with the aerial and with our ground ladders and i was like all right you're going to run this drill with us five so give us the objective structure it and then lead us through it you know and it's difficult to say like because a lot of He's got a sport background, but not a, necessarily a coaching background, I don't think. And so it was difficult to say, like, all right, here's a great way to structure it. Start with the base fundamental skill and then start layering things on top of it. Let them know we're going through five reps of this. Five evolutions is what we're doing. And each time it's going to get more difficult and, more, and faster till we're at, like, a working pace, you know. It takes a lot of experience to know how to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it just turns into, like, ah, you know what, so throw it, throw the ladder and then climb it. And then come back down, and that, that'll be good. Mm-hmm. And then you're lacking. You know, you don't push to the educational or the physical point of that right. for, for anything. So, I don't know. I always hate Mr. Obscure Fact, too. We were, <laughs> <laughs> I had an, a new guy, this was a while ago, but we were uh, we we're using the airbags, and I'm like, well, let's, let's go lift the dumpster. Yeah. You know, and then someone comes down and says, like, what's the capacity of this bag? And it's in, in the middle of, like, it's like, just... Stop. Yeah. You know, like, go Stop away. derailing everything. <laughs> Here's a fun fact for you on that. Uh, I mean, could not be more under 20,000. 40,000. Nope. Ah. Did you know that? Well, now I got to think of it. I was listening to a, a podcast 
Malcolm Gladwell podcast. Did you know that running your sink, running your water faucet in your kitchen sink for two minutes, just running it for two minutes, uses more energy than running your dishwasher on a cycle? I run our dishwasher every night because of that. Yeah. Yeah. So this was an episode he did, a revisionist history, and he did about specifically he was trying to refute cascade because that's what they say like just scrape it and put it in there you know mm-hmm. he's like there's no way and so they went in the science of it and the development of the packet and all that yeah and they said you know as a as a, a total the gross total it, it uses more energy to run your faucet for two minutes than do one cycle of dishwasher yeah. it's a good fact do you know that we have guys that <laughs> didn't know how to use like liquid dishwasher soap it's been a long time since I've seen that. We have it at our station right now. Really? And guys were like, how do you use this? And then we had guys that were complaining about it because it wasn't in a pod and it was in that. I'm like, Geez. It's harder to chew on. Yeah. It's way harder <laughs> to chew. Oh, God. All right, so last one. I like this one from Joe Galley. Obviously. It's great. One free policy. Non-punitive, which takes a lot of the fun out of it. Hmm. What's your What's your one free policy? This is a tough one, guy. I did some thinking on it, but I tried not to get too deep into it. I would say his uh, his excellency, the union president, gets uh, double the Kelly days. <laughs> double Kelly days. <laughs> um, so it shall be done. One policy. Yeah. I, I you know I saw Joe ask this, and there were like obviously a few things that ran through my mind. Yeah. I think one for me that's just kind of hot right now is I would like, I would like to see some sort of support to people coming back from an injury and that there's something outlined as to time with PFTs that they get to get them on the right track instead of whatever your department or, well, for our department, they get like a week long, you know, it's not even a crash course. It's like a refamiliarization, non-punitive. Yeah. But if you're, if it's identified in there that you have some deficiencies, then you get some stuff, you know, assigned to you. Yeah. I'd like to see, I'd like to see that there's, you know, five to eight hours of work over a few months, maybe, or six weeks, something like that, that those people coming back from an injury get to work with, you know, a trainer, whether it's someone you have qualified in your department or, you know, your department pays for a reputable trainer to work with that person to to continue them on. Because we know that the number one cause of injury is, you know, previous injury. Yeah. And if we can stymie that you know because most of those people are going to come back and if they haven't worked out they're probably not starting and if they did they're probably going back to what they did before and so maybe it's just time for them to get some more education you know yeah that's a big one that's a big long that's an intricate policy personally i'd have a policy that says that you can't make a policy yes if you're just going to punish one person like you don't make a blanket policy if one person does something wrong okay you just like address it with that person that's what memos are for, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, that was a problem back in the day. Mm-hmm. So I think mine would be, I would put something in writing that you were allowed to go out of service one hour per day for physical fitness. Yeah. And uh, we've tried that before and it hasn't worked. You know, call volumes got in the way or mm-hmm. our individual battalion chiefs didn't buy into it so they didn't approve it yeah. on an as-needed basis. But our physical fitness a day, that would be my policy. I like it. I, you know, the problem is, is that we'd get in our own way of something like that because, you know, someone would be like, uh, well, I don't want to work out at two o'clock, but that's when my <laughs> battalion chief says that I can. And yeah. it's like, 
well, I want to go out of service at nine o'clock. You yeah. know, I think, I think we've talked about it before. I think Plainfield or someone does something where it's like till nine o'clock, there's no stuff. You can yeah. work out or, you know, that's your time to work out, but everyone has to, you know, type yeah. of thing. Um, yeah, something, I mean, obviously that hits home with us, but something where it's, that's the priority for the crew for the, that hour, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sh- I shy away from doing any kind of, like, annual fitness standard because, I mean, I absolutely want one. I just don't know. I haven't revised it in my head enough from a long time ago to know what that is now. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, that's top of the list once put some thought towards it. But in the meantime, I'm fine with just affording the time on shift to the people who want it. Yeah. Because uh, I think that holds more benefit than people cramming for two months and hoping they pass something. Yeah, I don't think we could ever incentivize anything enough here for that to do what we want it to do. Yeah. If it's non-punitive, you know. Yeah. And I, don't, I certainly don't want anything punitive, but you're not going to get the person who's not in shape, who's far from passing the standard, to cram for two months. But that's the person you're trying to get to cram for two months, you know. Right. And so you're just going to get those people that are going to be like, yeah, it's not worth $800. Or even that, yeah, even a day off or day whatever, off. you know. You know, and then you get the people who don't need it, who could just walk into it and pass it and be, I got a day off, you know. It's still good, yeah. 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 That's a good one. That's a tough one because mm-hmm. we have a lot of policies. And uh, I'd say very few superfluous policies. Most of them are there for a reason. Yeah. There's definitely people who think that we're far too heavy on policies, but I've seen the other side of that too Yeah. where departments have very few and it's all judgment calls if mm-hmm. you're going to get in trouble or not. And that's no way to <laughs> it's yeah. no way to run it because there's zero protection from the next administration coming in and just wiping you guys out. All right. Um, all right, well, good one, man. That was a long one. Yeah. About 40 minutes. You can chase your, uh, chase your big coffee with some Skittles dust? I'm sure I'll uh, have that on the ride down to pick up Sid. So gross. <laughs> so gross. All right, if you guys dig what we're talking about, head to... Force Shift Fitness website and do buy me a coffee money. We're drinking some now, provided by Angie Bishop again. Thanks, Angie. All star giver to the podcast. Appreciate that. And uh, we'll be back with Can more. We you answer guys. Angie's questions. She hasn't. She, she didn't. No, she decided to give, benefit us caffeine and instead of perfect. Um, stress our brains out. She knows. All right, we'll talk to you guys soon.